Sunday Sports Sound Off is presented by Window Works. The time to talk Tennessee football is now. It's Sunday Sports Sound Off, the longest running talk show in the state of Tennessee with Tam Irwin and your host, Jimmy Hines. Call in now at 656 9900 or 866 656 9900. Sunday Sports Sound Off, sponsored by Safety Systems, Lexus of Knoxville, ANLRV, your East Tennessee Volunteer Toyota Dealers, TVA, Wow Cable Internet and Phone, Window Works, Rusty Wallace Kia on Callahan, Salsaritas, Fox 43 Sports, National OT Clinic, and Kimball's Jewelers. Now, here's your host, Jimmy Hines. Derek Garantano has said moments earlier this year where things didn't go quite right. Last night, they went right, and Jerry Garantano basically saved Tennessee against Kentucky. Welcome to Sunday Sports Sound Off. I'm Jimmy Himes along with Tim Irwin, former star at Central High School, University of Tennessee, and with the Minnesota Vikings. Garantano got the nod to start the second half. He led touchdown drives on the first two possessions. That helped Tennessee overcome a 13-3 deficit to Kentucky. I tell you what, you got to hand it to Garantano, Tim. He, he played really well last night. He did. He played tough. I don't know how anybody can play quarterback with one hand, and he's doing it. I think if you notice, they put Maurer back in for one play. I don't know if you noticed that in the second half. You know why? It's because they wanted to take a snap under center, and Jared can't catch the snap with that left hand throbbing like that. I mean, that's all I could figure out. Uh, No, he – uh, he was amazing. His execution was amazing. I thought the Tennessee coaching staff got whipped the uh, whole first quarter, big time, and they made the best halftime adjustments I've seen a Tennessee staff make in a number of years on both sides of the football. Um, they brought outside pressure and throttled Kentucky's offense. It's really had their way with them in the first quarter and most of the first half, and uh, it was an unusual game. Uh, every time it looked like we were going to break away and get ahead for good, something weird happened. I mean, we had to score our touchdown twice. We had, I mean, just a lot of really bad breaks. I think they got the calls correct, but a lot of really bad uh, breaks for Tennessee. Penal- key penalties, the two penalties in the first drive of the ball game, the offside penalty, I was pulling my hair. And that's something that was a new wrinkle. I guarantee you they did not snap the ball that way in their first ball games. That was something they put in new against Tennessee, that clap delay thing they were doing. But I thought they really had their way with us. They were ready. They had an off week. You could tell it. And I thought the Tennessee coaches came back and did a great job. And uh, the players, the defensive players, I mean, they played like men, but what a ball game. And Callaway is my MVP. A lot of people would say it's Batuli, but Callaway I don't think many people could have made those two plays that he made in the end zone. Well, we talked before the game about how maybe Callaway's uh, an underrated uh, big play guy for Tennessee because he's averaging over 20 yards a catch. He's averaging over 20 yards a punt return. He made some huge plays for Tennessee. He had four catches, 104 yards, and a great catch to score a touchdown uh, from Garantano on that first possession of the third quarter. And then there was Josh Palmer. He caught a ball on his knee and turned around and scored. They correctly ruled that his knee was down. Then he caught a touchdown pass a little bit later to uh, to give Tennessee a lead that it never relinquished. 
I tell you what was a huge play in that game, too, and I didn't think about it at the time. So Kentucky scores its second touchdown. Darrell Middleton blocks the extra point. It's 13 to nothing. And because they were at 13 points, Tennessee was at 17 in that second half. Kentucky couldn't kick a field goal. Should have blocked. Should have blocked the first. Uh, should have blocked the first extra point. Pop through. We had a guy pop through and miss the ball. Mm. Uh, and I paid close attention. That was kind of my forte. But they had real problems with protection, and their kicker was all over the place. And that was that was a big factor. And I looked at the paper grades. They graded the special team C plus this morning. And that was probably that play was what got us to a C plus because otherwise it was abysmal. The the drop snap on the punt was huge. Anytime you get a punt blocked and the other team scores right after, there's a stat out there. It's abysmal. You lose almost every time. And Tennessee did everything they could do uh, early on to lose the game and did everything they could at the end of the game to win it. But just untimely, bad penalties, not covering up a receiver on a touchdown, just inexcusable. I'm not covering up the tight end. That was Ty Chandler lining up out there as a wide receiver, a running back at wide receiver. I, I don't know. I didn't know who it was. Yeah, it was number but, eight. Yeah. Uh, he covered up the, Austin Pope on that play. Covered yeah. up Austin Pope, and Austin Pope released downfield like he was supposed mm-hmm. to, and and that was uh, an illegal lineman downfield because he was covered up. Right. And then the, uh, the handoff, I got to think a lot of that was on Garantano's hand but it looked like the ball got in there, and I don't know enough about run-pass options to know if that was one and the, and the ball just, carrier was unsure if it was just a straight handoff and it was botched. I don't know. I thought it was a straight handoff because he turned around mm-hmm. to hand it to him. Run RPOs, you're usually facing. Yeah, that's true. You are. He did turn. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just looked like a simple play. It looked it, like it was going to go for a lot of yardage, too. Mm-hmm. Um I thought that the halftime adjustments were just unbelievably huge. Um, and they were really starting to make them before then. At the end of the first half, you know, we had, we were zip, zip, zip down the field. And we came back out, start the second half, zip, zip, zip down the field and just kept shooting ourselves in the, our foot with some really bad penalties, uh, getting involved with some of the chippiness. A couple of... Kentucky's players, one offensive lineman and one linebacker, even the announcers alluded to it, have a real reputation for being dirty. And I think we got involved and caught up in some of that. You can't do that in a close ball game. Um, we're lucky we didn't lose a player uh, in a couple of those skirmishes. Yeah. Uh, and, and also in the second half with Kentucky, they had drives of 9, 10, and 12 plays. They only had four possessions. And each one of those long uh, possessions – ended up with not converting on fourth down. Their inability to throw the football hurt them. <clears throat> that was, a, that was as good a coaching job by the Kentucky staff as they could have done as well. I really think that guy can coach. I mean, how do you play an SEC team one-dimensional? That's how you do it. And it's a very hard thing to do, and it didn't end up holding up for them, but it was sure close, and they had a good game plan, and they were ready against a superior opponent. I think Tennessee – was a vastly superior opponent before the game, more than I knew they were. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kentucky's uh, wrinkles and their ingenuity uh, certainly gave us a hard time. All right, let me go through some thumbs up. Jerry Garantano, 7 of 80 at his first seven passes, 115 yards, two touchdowns. 
And for, in my opinion, the first time in his career, he helped Tennessee win a game with his legs. There was a third and 10 on the first drive, and he ran for 11 yards, picked up a great block from Tim Jordan. And then late in the game when Tennessee's trying to run out the clock, he rolled to the right and gained 10 yards to get a first down. So, And he led the team in rushing last night. He uh, he played like a man. He really did. And and uh, I know he's hurt. I no no doubt in my mind he's hurt. But there's also no doubt in my mind he has the most talent of any of our quarterbacks. His yes. decision making uh, is what got him benched a couple yeah. of times this year. But he's he's got the most talent. Mark West Callaway four catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Averaged over 25 yards a catch. Daniel Batuli, 19 tackles, including on the goal line stand. And I'll give uh, Jaquan Barkley a thumbs up also, number 48. He played tight end and fullback last year, got moved to defense, hadn't really done anything. He's been involved in six tackles all year, and he and Batuli made that fourth down stop on uh, Lynn uh, Bowden on the fourth and two. By the way, I thought if he'd have pitched it, that would have been interesting to see if that running back might have made it because he had, he had more running room than Bowden did on that play when they stopped Bowden. Do you remember late? Oh, I remember the play, yeah. yeah. I mean, I went to sleep thinking about it over and over again in my head, <laughs> which was hard to go to sleep after that game. I mean, it was a nail-biter. It yeah. was very exciting. Uh, Kentucky seems to be one of those places where we just got their number. Yeah, 33 and, out of 35. I mean, Tennessee's one, yeah. Football yeah. and basketball, pretty much. I mean, we're the thorn in their side for basketball, too. And they're a dominant power. Mm-hmm. And, uh Wow. Defensive adjustments in the last three quarters. How many points did Kentucky score? Zero. Uh, we touched on the goal line stand. Nigel Warriors interception. It looked like a pick six. He stepped out of bounds on the 46. Said he needs to change his shoes. <laughs> but he he did step out of bounds. He kind of stepped Great. out at that point for no reason. Yeah, I thought that too. And and, uh, and I was, didn't catch it at first. I, don't I know thought it was I thought it was close, and yeah. I thought it was close on the replay. I couldn't tell. Whether there, it looked like there was a little green in the front of his shoe, but maybe the as he got towards more towards the side of his foot, it closed the green out. If he he just barely nicked the line. That's right. Uh, the fourth down stops in the second half. A thumbs up for that. Also, Henry Too Too, the third and one stop. He nailed a guy for one yard loss on that goal line stand. Uh, Darrell Middleton blocking the extra point that we touched on earlier. Uh, also, uh, Josh Palmer four catches, fifty five yards, and a touchdown. He's not really been that productive this year but that was a big game for him so a big thumbs up there all right thumbs down uh, run defense he ended up giving up 302 yards time of possession 41 and a half minutes to 18 and a half I don't recall a team winning uh, with that negative time of possession 71 plays to 46 also thumbs down Paxton Brooks drops a snap no reason to drop it had the punt block that set up Kentucky second touchdown uh, didn't think Brian Maurer played that well. Six of 17 for 98 yards. 34 of those came on a pass late in the first half. It's interesting now that Tennessee, at the end of the half, is now going for it rather than taking a knee like they had done in some previous games. They were scared yeah. to give the ball back to a team where they couldn't get it away from them, Jimmy. And and, uh, and there was 20-something seconds left yeah. when they did that. So. Uh, poor start to the game. You you touched on this on the opening drive. There were two offside penalties, uh, and that helped Kentucky on a 17-play, 75-yard drive that took 10 minutes, 18 seconds. Trey Smith's late hit, not sure. That just was odd. 
I don't know what he was doing. Yeah, I think that would have been a good no call, but it wasn't that big of a – I don't know. Uh, I, I have a little problem with the uh, extracurricular activities and how they were called. But it was chippy out there, that's for sure. The late fumble, seven and a half minutes left with uh, Garantano and Chandler. That was a fumble. You just can't do that there. It almost cost Tennessee. Tennessee calls a timeout and comes out with 12 men on the field. Boy, the, that blew my mind. That uh, blew my mind. I don't know what in the heck. Uh, evidently, there was some confusion with their goal line package. Uh, I would say they moved an extra big body in there and a DB was supposed to come out. Um, it was chewing out a DB on the sideline after that. That might have been what it was. I uh, I was begging, please throw the football. Please throw the football. They're talking about, uh, the announcers are talking about how this guy can throw it. And I was like, please throw it. Yeah, please no, throw he, it. Well, the Warrior interception was underthrown. A good oh, throw oh, yeah. might have been a touchdown. So, yeah, it was uh, – um, yeah, he he uh, he didn't. He's he's not a passer. You also had the roughing the passer on uh, Matthew Butler that extended the drive. I thought that was a weak and, call. Yeah, I thought that was a weak call. Very weak. It was almost gentle, and uh, it didn't look that late to me. I did not like that call at all. And then a Tennessee coach, assistant coach, got an unsportsmanlike conduct at the end of the first half. He went down there to separate players. And he kind of arm-barred a Kentucky player. I guess the rule is you can't touch an opposing player, I guess. Was that T? No. Who was that? I don't know who that was. It was not a full-time assistant. It was a quality control coach. Oh, I'd say I gotta he's look in that big up. trouble this morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I bet he is. So, yeah. uh, so um, anyway, those are the thumbs up, thumbs down. we got a full bank of calls. Let's go ahead and start knocking some of them out. Let's go to Steve. Steve, you're on Sunday, Sports Sound Off. How are you guys doing today? Fine. Oh, good. I am, too. It was an exciting game last night, and I enjoyed it. And I uh, got to see some of the other ones, that, uh, LSU and, and, and Alabama. And, and I'm, I don't know if I'm missing something, but not just UT, but uh, there only seems to be four or five really quality teams in the SEC anymore. Uh, uh, Georgia and, and Florida seem to round out the East as far as really quality teams uh, and uh, and of course uh, the LSU and Auburn and uh, Alabama. Alabama's uh, Alabama's offense for uh, not certainly not their defense giving up those many points at home. It just uh, the SEC doesn't seem what it what it used to be. And uh, but the thing that that I wanted you guys to to comment on that, that that I struggle with is it's been over a decade since since UT really had a, a a scary good team uh that 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 uh uh and and uh and some of the other teams like uh Auburn will come and go and Arkansas will come and go and Mississippi will come and go but we've gone through a dry spell for an awfully long time and while those guys fought hard uh this certainly isn't a the UT that 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 we've experienced you know uh, pre 2008 uh oh what is exactly going on? Is it that there's parity in football and everybody's getting the good players? Because uh, used to be the SEC were just giants, and now uh, uh, maybe a third of the teams are what they used to be. Well, the SEC uh, is top-heavy this year. There are a whole bunch of mediocre football teams out there. Tennessee's one of them. South Carolina lost to Appy State last night, uh, and they're in jeopardy of making a bowl game. Arkansas got Ar the heck beat out of them. Mm -hmm. By Western Kentucky, uh, yeah. coached by Tyson uh -huh. Helton, Tennessee's offensive coordinator last year. 
The league's not very good, up top to bottom. The top exactly. is the top is really good. They got mm-hmm. some excellent football teams. They're they're four or five that belong in the top twelve. But mm-hmm. other than that, you're dealing with a lot of mediocrity, including A and M. A and M's not that good either. Uh, they should be better, but uh, they're going to have the SEC is going to have a hard time filling its bowl allotment. It is they have they're allotted ten spots, eleven if they get two teams in the college football playoff, and I don't see them filling those. Missouri's not very good either, at least not on the road. They've been pretty good at home. They've been awful on the road, but. Uh, and Tennessee's been in a long drought. I mean, you touched on that. But, yeah, I mean, that's everybody knows that that's watched them. It's been a long time since Tennessee had a really good football team. Well, what is it about, what, what is it about the, uh, you know, the other teams like the Arkansas and the Mississippis? They, they have their ups and downs and, and whatnot. But, but Tennessee's not been able to catch any traction for over a decade. What, what do you suspect that is? I think it's they, they didn't have the right coaches. Mm, well, that's hmm. – it, it just seems a, it just seems a shame that, uh, uh, that, that, that it's come to this, and not only with Tennessee but the SEC, that you know, the teams that used to be uh, feared and uh, uh, you don't want to play them on January first, and now January first is just a, a, a fine dream for most of them. Well, and um, yeah, okay. Well, we appreciate the phone call. Uh, one thing about Tennessee's situation that's going to be interesting is that if Tennessee can get to seven and five, they're looking at a pretty good bowl game because of the rest of the league. Tennessee's going to be the most coveted of the not upper five or so, uh, which means they'll end up playing probably in a New Year's Day bowl game in Florida. We always uh, get extra points because we travel well, mm-hmm. yeah. and we bring a big crowd, and we're hungry because we hadn't been in a while. So, yeah, all those, if we could win these last two, we'd get a decent, uh, a decent bowl. I, you know, I... Uh, I don't really have anything to comment about what the caller said. I think he was um, making uh, some misguided observation, but I will say this. The SEC, to win here where we live, is the toughest task in college football. Um, We take it seriously, and I see our guys trending in the right direction right now. It wasn't a Mm -hmm. perfect ball game yesterday. I thought we were a lot better than that team that we played, but the adjustments that we made at halftime and the intensity with which we brought it up in the second half got us out of there with a win, and I was I was proud of it. I'd take it again right now. That's Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. When we come back, we'll continue to take your phone calls. Uh, we're brought to you by Window Works. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. I don't know why. Um, he's able to do that I mean I think he's mature um, you know he knows what we're trying to do obviously he's smart he's done a great job tonight uh, he's done a good job coming off the bench all year that we that we've asked him to do it uh, so I mean I just think he's a guy that that you know he wanted to play well tonight and he did uh, and he prepared during the week to do that Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt talking about Quarterback Jerry Garantano came off the bench second half, led Tennessee to the 17-13 victory over Kentucky. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off. We are brought to you by Window Works, family-owned, founded in East Tennessee, with only American-made products. With Tim Irwin, I'm Jimmy Himes. Let's go ahead and get back to the phones where another Steve is calling. Hello, Steve. Hey, fellas. Hey. Hey. 
uh, you know, when the game was first going on, the way uh, they were holding the ball on that, those drives, uh, keep moving the balls, moving the ball, and I'm afraid to death that our defense is going to get all wore down. Uh, and uh, so I guess we didn't get that wore down. We won the game. But I thought, well, they've had the ball for so much time. You know, our defense is going to be tired early in, in the game. And it wasn't that bad, was it? Uh, but do y'all, if there was one play in this whole ball game that y'all would like better than any other play, which one would it be? One play that we liked? The most. Wow. Uh, Callaway's catching the end zone for me. Yeah. I'm thinking that certainly is one of them. Right. Um, Blocked extra that, point was another one, it turned out, but yeah, not at the time. Didn't, didn't know at the time. i tell you a play that I thought was huge also, and look, I I, I think Tennessee would have won it anyway. Right. I think I think Garantano's run late in that game when they were right. backed up and he had to get a first down to right. to milk the clock and make sure you put it away so Kentucky didn't right. get the ball back. Right. Uh, I thought that was a nice play too. I'd probably go Callaway's catch though. That was right. that was huge. Yeah. It, you finally got on the uh, you finally got in the end zone. Right. And that was big. Now I'm gonna say something else too, and I may not be thinking about it right, but I I love plays to be reviewed. I really do. And we know to review the play we're talking about and uh you know, stuff like that. And I love instant review. And you know, if it was if it took them ten minutes to supposed to be reviewing a call, you know, that wouldn't be good at all, but it never takes them very long, don't seem like. And I just, you know, I think that review deal is uh, not really hurt Tennessee that bad since they've had it. And I love it. And uh, I'm going to say this, too, and y'all were talking about some stuff earlier about the, some things that went on. Uh, uh, but uh, I think our crew of officials for this ball game was pretty good. I really do. I don't guess y'all agree with that, but uh, I think they were did a pretty good job. Well, uh, and you mentioned replay. They, the replays that they looked at, I thought they got them right. And yeah, that's, that's, what I'm that's the that's the desire is to right, make sure you get the call right. I want, so, you know, I think they do nearly always yeah. get them right. Yeah, and uh, you know, so that's what, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, fellas, y'all be good. You said you said a minute ago, Jimmy, you had a full banker caller, so. Yes, sir. <laughs> we're we're going to get to them. Okay, thanks, okay, Steve. Thanks. All right, appreciate it. All right, let's go to Mike. Mike, you're on Sunday Sports Sound Off. Uh, thank you. Good morning. Uh, just a couple of special teams comments. First of all, Tim Irwin needs to be our special teams coordinator. <laughs> and uh, secondly, the play of the game paying? was the block kick. <laughs> <laughs> the play of the game was the block kick. Uh, because it took away Kentucky's option to kick a field goal at the end of regulation to send the game into overtime. And uh, the other comment I wanted to make is we finally put two safeties back there to stop that rugby-style punter, and uh, that worked out well, too. I think they listened listened to me last week, didn't they? Yeah, and I wanted to ask you, uh, did the coaching staff invite you over there to consult with them on how to block these kicks and how to feel these rugby-style punters. So I'll hang up and listen to your comments. Thanks. Okay. No, they didn't invite me over there. 
it'd be a good story, but they didn't. I, uh, they uh, should have blocked the first extra point Kentucky tried. We had a guy pop clean and miss the ball. But I do think that they studied the film and they saw this guy kicked it all over the field. And putting two guys back there helped us a lot in terms of field position. I don't believe we had any hit the ground last night. I'm trying to think. We had some of our punts hit the ground and get good rolls. Yeah. But I don't believe any of their punts hit the ground. I think we caught them all. And uh, I was pretty happy when I saw those two guys back there. I think uh, the way guys, even a dry, even a straight traditional punter, seems to have that rugby stuff in his repertoire, that end-over-end thing they all work mm-hmm. on. And I really like having two guys back there in modern fo- modern football. Kentucky only had three punts in the whole game. Yeah, I mean, then, we, we couldn't get the ball away from them. It was, it was like playing Georgia Tech in the old days. It was <laughs> like uh, playing Catholic when Pemberton coached. You couldn't get the ball back. And that was a great game plan. I, I think they did the best with what they had. I don't think they were near as good a football team as they were last year. Uh, Kentucky had nine possessions in the entire game. Tennessee had ten. And two of those ten were the end of the first half when they only got four plays in, and then the end of the game when they ran the clock out. Right. That's all. And yeah. a large part of that was Kentucky had some sustained drives that uh, ate up the clock. They weren't getting in any hurry either. I mean, they no. weren't rushing. Nope. They didn't tempo much. All right, from one mic to another. Mike, you're on Sports Sound Off. Yeah, I'd like to talk about our defense. Well, one of the things I've noticed that early on in the season, they seemed confused and they had the wrong coverage and didn't know what coverage to get in. But then once they got that straightened out, seems to me like we had – five teams where our first string defense in the second half did not allow any points. Am I wrong about that? Or Five teams didn't have points against the first string defense? In the second half. In the, in second, the second half. half. I think UAB's Including second that. half points came against our backups. I'll give you that one. Yeah. Kentucky, we know, didn't score any in the second half. I can't think Mississippi State scored any points in the second half or not. I can't remember. I think they did, but I don't know that it was against the starters. Yeah, and uh, yeah, well, South uh, Carolina did. I, I think he's right. Yeah, yeah, and that's impressive. And one of them wasn't one of them Alabama. Alabama did. Yeah, uh, against our number one defense. Yes, in yeah. the third quarter. Uh, Mississippi oh, okay. State had okay. a touchdown in the fourth quarter, which I think was backups. Maybe, I, yeah, I maybe eight and a half minutes left in the game. Um, but to your point, they played well in the second half. The first team defense. They, they have played well in the second half, and I was uh, and to see them come from, you know, early on, you seen them. They just seemed very confused and and you know didn't know what coverage and everything, and and, and they've come a long way what do you think our chances are against uh uh this missouri team coming up because they're kind of a jekyll and hyde team if they're and we play them at home where they do play pretty good football and then i'll uh i'll hang up and listen to the answer okay mike uh they're really hard to figure so they're really good at home they're really bad on the road they have lost several games on the road in a row. I don't know what that does to their psyche coming back home. Are they off this week as well? Um, let me check that. I think they might be, but let me double check that. I hope on Missouri. Not. 
Missouri, I don't have their, let's see, Missouri is um, playing uh, playing Florida. That ought to be in our favor. They play Florida at Missouri and then host Tennessee. So they got two games in a row at home. They lost at Vanderbilt, which is embarrassing. Vanderbilt's horrible. They lost to Kentucky 29-7. to They didn't score a point against Georgia. Kelly Bryant, the quarterback, was not there. The backup quarterback's terrible. So they didn't, get a, they didn't score a point. So they've scored 21 points in, consec- in three games against SEC teams on the road. So they're not very good right now on the road. Who knows what they'll be like at home. Hey, when we come back, we'll have more. If you want to join us, 656-9900, 1-866-656-9900. We're brought to you by Window Works, the right products for every home and budget. With Tim Irwin, I'm Jimmy Himes. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. Mark. I mean, got, we got to stop them, right? I mean, we're... We're up by four. They're going to use all four downs to go down there, and and um, you know, as the time, you know, as they made two first downs, I felt like we needed to call timeout in case they did score, so we would have some time left to, you know, if they did, to maybe have a shot to to catch back up. So uh, I mean, it's got to stop them. That's uh, Jeremy Pruitt when asked what was his message to the team after Tennessee's fumble with 7.44 in the game. And Tennessee, of course, stopped him on a terrific goal line stand to preserve the 17-13 victory over Kentucky to get to 5-5 five and five and to remain in the picture for a bowl game. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off with Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. Uh, let's go back to the phones where our next caller, if I can figure out who it is, is uh, Jay. Jay, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey Jimmy, good morning. Morning. Hey, um, I got a I got a couple questions for you. Number one, um, I guess this will be the easier question, so I'll, I'll ask this first. Number one, I, I guess you saw the new um, plans or layout for the Nayland Stadium renovation that they kind of had a press release on. Did you see that? I read through it. I didn't focus on it that much because I've seen about forty-eight plans through the year. So, but I, I did not. I saw it, but didn't. I can't tell you that I remember everything about it. Do you think this stadium is going to drop below 100,000 capacity? That's my question. Uh, yes, I do. You do? I was uh, Well, and I, I'll say this. It depends on who's in charge. Because in talking to people through the years, that was a magic number. I've been told more recently, and I, I'm not saying this is coming from Philip Fulmer, because I don't know. But more recently, I was told that that number was not as important to Tennessee. It was more about getting Neyland Stadium uh, renovated properly and having more premium seats. I feel like, I, I, to me, that number is important. Um, I just, you know, I, I, I like that we're one of the very few stadiums, uh, you know, in, in the country that is over 100,000. And... Um, it's just something we've always, you know, we've had for such a long time, and um, and Nayland, and it kind of adds to the aura of Nayland Stadium. Um, Nayland, Nayland Stadium, excuse me. And uh, I just, I, I don't like that. And 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 my worry is is that with with like you said, the premium seating and things like that, they're they're turning this into a, a more of a corporate sterile kind of environment. Uh, almost, I mean. Not to the magnitude of 
Dallas Cowboys Stadium, but you know Dallas Cowboys Stadium is nice and big, but it's it's a corporate. I mean, there there it's not a, you know, it doesn't have that environment to it like that makes Nayland so Nealon, sorry, so great. Um, and that that's my fear, Jimmy, with this with these renovations. Is that is that is that crazy to think? Or I mean, what do you think about that? I don't know if you're going to have a whole lot more noise if you have a hundred thousand or ninety nine thousand. I don't think the noise level, I don't think it's going to get sterile. I think if you're really good, you're going to have – look, there have been some games where Tennessee recently said 70,000 in the stands, and they were pretty loud. I. Uh, what do you think, Tim? I think 100,000 is magic. I agree with the caller somewhat. I do too. But I think I'm that's saying, a yeah. proud thing to put 100,000 people in one place that care enough to go and pay the high prices and – I, I will say this. I said it a few weeks ago, and it's not very popular. I'm sure I'm alienating myself with the powers that run the university. I'd like to see about an eight-year moratorium on all construction at the University of Tennessee. Um, my son attended, paid his money, and went, and he went all four years without a student center. Um, I think that because uh, they were building one. Yeah, we're building and building and building and building. And building again, and tearing down, and building again, and I just don't know. Uh, I'd like to see a step back and look at what we got for a minute, and have a very detailed plan, and sometimes use the cheapest option. And sometimes, to me, it's more important than uh, putting more butts in the stadium than it is to have more comfortable um, executive type. Uh, open type seating, deluxe seating, if you will. I just, uh, I believe I'd wait a little while before I renovated the South End, but that's me. Somebody wants to pay for it and the athletic department wants to do it. I'd say it'll get done, but I'm not, I'm not a huge proponent of that right now. Yeah. And let me say this. I think a hundred thousand is a good number too. I don't think it makes a big difference if you have a hundred thousand or 99 or 98 in terms of noise. That's my point. I, I, I like tradition. Well, you're, you're probably right on that. I, I agree with you. I don't think that makes a difference as far as noise, but it makes a difference as far as prestige. We put 100000 in there. It's a source of pride for the whole state. And uh, also I think that Tennessee needs to strive to maintain uh, the good traditions, and the traditions include the pride of the Southland Band. I'm tired of hearing canned music in my stadium when we got – those kids that work so hard, I want to hear them. I want to, I don't want us to get away from traditions. I don't want us to be a corporate sponsor. I want us to be the University of Tennessee. I think Neyland's one of only five or six stadiums in the country that have 100,000. They're not many. And I'm proud of that. Yeah. I mean, you, all, you knew who they were. It used to be 104. And Michigan is one. Mm-hmm. Ohio and State. the Coliseum was one. And Ohio State. Penn State. Penn State. I mean, yeah, there's not many. Mm-hmm. And uh, Texas A&M. Does Texas A&M have a hundred? Yeah, they when they renovated. So they went up. Yeah. I think uh, Alabama and LSU uh, do too now, don't they? I think they do. I'll have to double check that, but I think they do. Alabama had their biggest crowd ever last night. So well, did you hear what it was? No, but I just no, heard them announcing it was the biggest crowd that they'd yeah. ever had. I'm sure it was over a hundred. But uh, okay, uh, well, Jay, we appreciate I, I it. Huh? Thanks, guys. Okay, thank you. Uh, let's go to Harold. Harold, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Tim. I, I appreciate your show and like listening to it. Uh, but 
what I'd like to talk about is is how good y'all touched on it, how good the uh, the coaches did on adjustment at halftime. I, I was really proud of that, and I'd like to know what you think about that. And also my other question is, do you think Jarek Gannatano will stay another year? Hopefully he will. Uh, talk, Tim, talk about the adjustments. I know you mentioned it earlier, but talk about the adjustments that Tennessee did to contain the Kentucky uh, option game and run game. I thought it was absolutely fantastic on both sides of the football. I thought that uh, coming with outside pressure totally disrupted Kentucky's offense in the second half. And I say totally disrupted. It got us off the field on several fourth downs. Um, I don't think they could handle it. I think it was um, a great idea, and it was something that we changed from the first half. On offense, coming out and throwing the ball, zip, zip, zip. I don't think anybody expected us to attack through the air like that with a new quarterback when we came out at halftime. And thought it was only 10 points. We have some time. I figured a lot more runs would be mixed in the equation, but I thought the coaching staff on both sides made really good halftime adjustments. And I was I was pleased with that. Now, now Coach Pruitt said he didn't make any many adjustments, but somebody did because uh, – it looked like two different ball games, from the first quarter to the third quarter. It looked like two different teams out there playing. I absolutely thought they made adjustments. He said they didn't make adjustments; they just executed better. I don't I, believe that. I don't either. That's like he said when Bryce Thompson had three interceptions and a fumble, and last week the quote. And I love this. Last week the quote was, "He just done what he's supposed to do." Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, he had three interceptions and and recovered a fumble. That's a pretty big day, but no, they made some great game adjustments. And that's what that's why he makes the big bucks. Uh, we appreciate it, Harold. Thank you. All right. Uh, and by the way, uh, there are four teams in the SEC whose capacity is over one hundred thousand. <clears throat> Texas A and M has the largest right now, followed by Tennessee. Texas A and M is one hundred two seven thirty three. Tennessee one hundred two four five five. LSU one hundred two three twenty one. Alabama one hundred one eight. 21. Now, you can also get additional people in the stadium, which could include ushers and media and whatever. So, But, but anyway, those well, are the capacities. Well, if we're going to renovate, let's change the plans to go back to 104 and be the biggest. <laughs> well, there, there are four in the league, and there's there are three in the Big Ten that I'm aware of. So you got seven, maybe How eight. How many does Ohio State hold? It's over 100. That's a good-sized yeah, place. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan are all over 100. Yeah, well. So, I don't think I want to leave that company. No, I don't either. Um, uh, I was just looking at a story that somebody wrote that said past Tennessee administrators are vowed to keep the capacity over 100,000. That's some of them. Others have told me they are. that's not a magic number to them anymore. That just depends on who you talk to. Magic again, to me. I, yeah, I understand. It, but, but, again, I don't know what Philip Fulmer's position is on that. I'd love to ask him that. All right, let's go to Dean. Dean, you're on Sports Sound Off. Thank you, Good morning, Judge Irwin and Mr. Hines. Uh, I had the pleasure, Judge, of meeting your mom and dad back in the mid-70s and uh, worked with a fellow, Randy Cochran. We did some remodeling on some homes that your dad had purchased, but uh, it was uh, his true gentleman. And uh, my question is, why is it? I've watched a lot of college football, but... On the targeting call on two, they're 
in the game, which they did dismiss, why is it never called on the offense? Uh, I'll say this. In the NFL, it has been called on the offense for lowering the helmet, and I remember seeing uh, Ezekiel Elliott from Dallas getting a call. It is not called in college, uh, and they feel like, well, I can't tell exactly what they think. Uh, but I know that it's not called in college. Uh, and one of the reasons it is instituted is, it, and you'll have Gerald Hodges, the SEC replay official, say this, a lot of it is to protect the defensive player. It's not necessarily always about hurting the offensive players, protecting the defensive player from launching and leading with the crown of his helmet because he could suffer neck injury. But you don't yeah. see it. They, uh, the feeling is that the ball carrier... Now, I'll say this, too. I've seen ball carriers lower their head and go helmet-to-helmet with a linebacker on a short yardage play, and they don't call targeting, or I've seen times when they didn't call it. Um, I think one of the reasons that this wasn't called. On Elante Taylor. On Elante Taylor in this ballgame. I felt like it was a quarterback, wasn't it, from Kentucky? Yes, Lynn Bowden, yeah. Yeah, Bowden. I felt like Bowden's helmet was actually lower than his. And his helmet was above Bowden's. He was dropping it down, but it was still above. And I think that's one reason why they might have struggled with a struggle with the call. Yeah, might have been. Um, I, I thought they were going to eject him. I did. I thought they were going to uphold the targeting. I'm it's glad gotta, they didn't. It's got to meet three criteria uh, to be targeting, and uh, apparently it didn't meet them all. But it, it was close call. Yeah. Well, I just I see a lot of it, and you know, it looks like the offense uh, initiates it, but. It just never happens that they call it. So. Well, you're right. Sometimes the offense does initiate it. I'd agree with that. Okay. Hey, okay. Dean, we appreciate it. Thank you, sir. And when we come back, we will have more. Uh, we are brought to you by Window Works, East Tennessee's window-insulated siding experts. With Tim Irwin, I'm Jimmy Himes. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. Oh. Well, it was it was probably one of their two point plays. I mean, since Bowden's been playing the quarterback, that's kind of you know you kind of think that's what they're going to go to. I would. It's the best player out there, you know. So get the ball in his hand and give him an opportunity to to make a play, you know. And we stopped him. That's Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt talking about. Did he think Kentucky would go to that speed option on that fourth and goal at the two yard line in the last minute? Or so of the game. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off with Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. Tim, what a terrific goal line stand for Tennessee. Kentucky ran three plays inside the five yard line and could not push it in. What I can't understand is the whole game. I'm watching it. I'm saying, okay, good job. We got that one stopped for a yard or two, and they'd set the ball and it'd be four yards or three yards. Successful plays when you're trying to do what they were trying to do, and when we they had the ball. And it was third down with a yard and a half to go. I thought, oh, my goodness, we're in trouble. Because they were falling forward all day. And those two plays, one by Toa Toa and the other one by a guy that I didn't even know his name, they didn't fall forward on those two plays. No, they didn't. Maybe two of the times. There was only a handful of times the whole game they didn't fall forward. Luckily, they didn't fall forward on those two. And – in the the play, I thought this was going to come back to bite Tennessee. They called a timeout. Tennessee did with two eleven left, twelve men on the field. The ball goes from the two to the one. I thought, uh oh, one <laughs> yard. Uh, I I was concerned that that would lead to a touchdown from that short. But Tennessee 
uh, did a great job of shutting Kentucky down. We've had a couple of crazy things happen, and I remember one game earlier after a timeout uh, that we had a delay, I think. Sure it, did. It, 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 it after the ch- change of uh, quarters, I think. Yeah, after the change of quarters, <laughs> we had a delay. And then after a timeout, we run back out there with 12 men on the field. I couldn't believe it. And I know it embarrassed the head coach. And uh, I think there was a, I think they'd gone to a goal line package and one of the DBs didn't get the message and went out there anyway. Let's go to Woody ahead of a break. Woody, you're on Sports Sound Off. Uh, good morning. morning. Uh, just a quick statement and a question. The quick statement is this kudos to our defensive coaches for halftime, man. They earned their paycheck yesterday. Uh, the question, Tim, is about all these penalties. You just mentioned the one about 12 men on the field. And we get in the, in the red zone or somewhere we got first and 10 or second and five or something. The next thing you know, we're offsides or illegal procedure, personal fouls. Uh, that's going to bite us in some of these games. And, how you know, you've played a lot. What does it take to correct that? I mean, how much time you got to spend? Are they not focused or what's happening? I don't know that it's a question of time. I mean, it used to be a question of consequence in some programs I've been in where they ran you so much per yard of penalties you incurred. And I've seen it corrected that way where you actually had to go out on Monday and you had to run for the penalties that you got. Um I don't know. I mean, they're different. They're all different types of penalties. They're bad ones. There's ones that are kind of understandable, uh, but they all hurt. And in that type of ball game, that type of ball game, you don't want to be behind the chains. That's for sure. I just think we're at the eleventh game of the season, and my goodness, it looks like we cut some of that stuff out. It uh, appreciate. It. I agree with you. Thanks, Woody. Appreciate that. It's not clean by any stretch. No. Um, when I watched the start of the game, I, my first thought was Tennessee doesn't look like they're ready to play. And part of that was lining up offsides, and Kentucky threw some different things at them. I think that cut them off guard a little bit. But it didn't look like Tennessee was ready, and Kentucky just marched down the field. Then you got a punter that drops a snap. Next thing you know, it's 13 to nothing. Tennessee's dug itself a hole. Yeah. Uh, gave life to a ball control team that was really difficult to get the ball away from. The exact opposite of the kind of start you want when you're playing a team like that. You want to get them down and make them panic. Right. Make them do things not within their system. Now we let them dictate the whole first half to us by how we started the game. And the drop snap was was a hard if we come back and it's you know, it's it's uh if we come back and score and get within a field goal or a touchdown but dropping that snap and then them taking it right in the end zone. I mean, that was devastating. That was devastating. By the way, I thought Tennessee, uh, I thought big plays would be uh, uh, something that would be important for Tennessee to have some splash plays. And I know that that some are considered 20-yard games, but I'll give them credit for this. Tennessee had nine plays of at least 17 yards. Against UAB, the offense had three. Against South Carolina, they had nine. So nine plays. So those were. I thought that was big for the Tennessee to get that many plays of at least seventeen yards. Oh, on so. the touchdown that was called back. On well, touchdown that was called back, where I've never seen more receivers running wide open down the field. Yeah, there were I, a bunch of them. It was unbelievable. We'll be back with more. This is Sunday Sports Sound Off.